true and trite. All right, and uh, uh, the the things that mankind comes up with, I mean, come on, we know this, all right? Uh, uh, Fashions, philosophies ebb and flow with the times, right? I mean, you know, you see the way this world is one decade, it changes from another decade, and then it goes back, and and that's just, just the way the world is. But praise God, we have a source that we can go to that just like our God is immutable, that never changes, and that's the Word of God. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Amen? And so we as Christians need to get our philosophies, we need to get our doctrine, we need to get everything that we live and believe by, by the Word of God. Amen? You say, preacher, that sounds pretty old-fashioned. You better believe it is. Amen? Without apology, it's old-fashioned, it's right, and as Christians, that's what we need. And so I'm uh, taking some time on Sunday night and looking at some of these Bible characters and some of their faulty philosophies. Hey, I'm sounding a voice of warning. Amen? Listen, if they made mistakes, it cost them. Why in the world would we follow down that same path? Amen? Come on, folks. Let's not be so spiritually dense when it comes to things. So, uh, Genesis chapter um, 13, if you find your place, stand with me together. And we're going to look at a man tonight, very famous, um, <clears throat> or should I say infamous, a Bible character who had some faulty philosophies. And uh, that's this man named Lot. This man named Lot. Let's uh, go here to Genesis 13, beginning in verse 5. I'll read down through verse 11. The Bible says, "...and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents." And the lamb was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Persianite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If that will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if that will depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zorah. Then Lot chose him. All the plain of Jordan, and Lot sojourned, or Lot uh, journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Now, God, speak to us. Help us, we pray, as we preach your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be active in our midst. I pray that you would fill me with your power as I preach your word. I pray that you'd fill the listeners with your power, Lord, as they listen to the word. And Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd move in our midst tonight. Help us to be warned by your word. Help us to be encouraged by your word. But most importantly, Importantly, may we take heed to your word. Bless us, we pray. We love you and thank you now. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Of course, we know Lot. If you've uh, have, uh, read the Bible, a student of the Word of God, uh, you understand about this person named Lot. He was the nephew of Abraham. If you chase the backstory, you'll see how their relationship began. Lot's father, Haran, died when Lot was a young man. So Abraham and his wife Sarah took responsibility for Lot. When God called Abram to leave his country and travel to the land that I will show you, Abram took Lot with him on this journey of faith. By the way, think about how blessed Lot was to have of his uncle one of the greatest men of God in the Bible. God blessed Abraham with great wealth and substance. And Lot also was blessed by God while he was with Abraham. Lot and Abraham both prospered to the point where their flocks become so great that there were uh, began to be a problem amongst the herdsmen and there was strife, there was fighting. Something had to be done. So Abraham approached Lot to see if he could resolve the problem. By the way, 
That's what mature Christians are supposed to do. Amen? If there's a problem, you go and talk it out, figure it out, figure out what needs to be done, and come to a biblical resolution. And thus we come to the passage we read here in verses 6 through 11. But you know what? Unfortunately, Lot chose wrong. Lot chose wrong. And because of his choices, we're going to look at tonight some of the consequences of those. Here's was Lot's faulty philosophy. What was his philosophy that we're looking at and being warned about? Here it is. You ready? Lot believed that as a child of God, it was not necessary to separate himself from the world. Amen. Let me just say that again. Amen. Lot believed that as a child of God, it was not necessary to separate himself from the world. Lot become more concerned about material prosperity and worldly popularity than he was the long-term spiritual condition of himself and his family. He soon turned his back on his spiritual heritage. He left the life of a shepherd, integrated himself and his family into the wicked environment of perhaps the most wicked metropolis of his day, Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's transition from faithful Abraham's protege to one of Sodom's chief leaders did not happen overnight. Separation from worldliness eroded over time. It was uh, surrendered in increments. Let, let, and so uh, we're going to look at Lot tonight and see what got him to this place and unfortunately the bad way his story ended. Amen? And again, folks, listen to me. Lot was a Christian, by the way. Lot was saved. He was a believer in Jehovah God. How do we know that? Because God tells us he was. By the way, God had to tell it because when you look at his life, there was no evidence of it. Isn't that pretty pathetic, Right? Nobody, after looking at Lot's life, ever would have thought he was saved if God hadn't penned it in his inspired, preserved word. But yet he was, and his, his life is an example of bad decisions. Let's look at these tonight. Let's break them down. I'll go quickly. There's several things I want to, I want to cover, but uh, let's look at this. All right. What were the choices that destroyed Lot's separation from the world? Choice number one. Lot chose to separate from Abraham. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. Abraham came to him. Abraham uh, said that he could go this way or he could go that way. Wasn't Abraham pushing him that direction? Well, let me tell you what good leadership does, okay? Uh, and you'll find this out with God. Good leadership never comes and dictates to a follower what to do. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, employee, employer, that type of thing. I'm just talking about influence. Abraham did have influence over Lot. But listen, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't the, the God of Lot's life. Lot had choices to make. And yes, uh, Abraham come to him. But let me just say this. You know what would have been the smart thing for Lot to do? You know what Lot should have done was said this. You know what, Uncle Abraham? You're exactly right. And you know what? Me being with you is more important than all the stuff I could ever possess. Guess what? Why don't you just take my stuff? Or let's just get rid of some stuff. Because I'm not leaving you, Uncle Abraham. That's what Lot should have done. But you know what? He got a taste for, for the things. He got, he got a, uh, an appetite for possessions. And that began to rule him and make the decision for him. Again, folks, let me just say this. Lot would have been wiser to downsize. Lot would have been wiser to get rid of some things and not lose that relationship with his godly uncle. Many Christians have forsaken the safety of a trusted mentor, a good church, or a strong pastor for a chance at increased wealth. And let me say this, folks, that's not a good decision. 
Uh, people sometimes will come to me and, and, and ask and talk about, you know, uh, uh, another opportunity to move and to leave. And here's my first question. I always ask this, and, and I'll always ask this. I always say this, where you're thinking about going, is there a good church you can attend? And if that answer is no, let me just say this, not God's will. Not God's will. Let me say this, folks. Man, Satan's good at, at deceiving us, is he not? By the way, sometimes we're gullible. That's why you got to stay in the Word of God. It helps you understand. It gives you something to uh, have a measure, which you can a standard, which you can measure situations by. Okay, it is never God's will for you to take yourself and your family out of a good Bible preaching church. Never God's will. Never. I can just tell you that straight up. Amen. All right. And again, Satan will come. Satan will try to give you this, give you that. And uh, remember what I always say: if the grass looks greener on the other side, it's because there's a septic tank right below the surface. Amen. Okay, and you know what? Lot chose to separate from Abraham. Bad choice. But you know what? It spiraled from there. Because the second choice was this. And by the way, notice this. One bad decision leads to another. One, does a, one, one little small, what seems like a minute decision, each time it keep, the ante keeps getting upped. Here's the second choice. He uh, chose the, uh, Lot's choice of the direction of a separation. Look what it says back uh, there in Genesis chapter 13 and, and back in verse 10. Notice what it says here again. Look at the digression here. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Already red flags ought to be going up. Because you know what? Here's the thing. What was Lot looking at? Was he thinking spiritual direction? Was he thinking, man, where's a good place if I'm leaving Abraham, which he shouldn't have done anyway? Where am I going to raise my family? What would be a place I could go to make sure my family stayed in the right spiritual place? No, what was he looking at? The plains of Jordan? All right, he was looking at what his eyes saw, the beauty of what his eyes saw, like the garden of, of the Lord, like the land of what? Egypt. Oh, man, red flags right there. Egypt. What's Egypt always a picture of in the Bible? It's a picture of the world. And here's Lot looking at the, at the sparkles of the world, at the luster that these things had to offer. And then notice what it says. Then Lot chose him. This was a personal decision he made. Personal choice. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. Notice here, he's not in Sodom yet. Okay, he's just in the plain. And notice what it says. And pinched, pitched his tent toward Sodom. Before he made it there, you know what he did? He had his home pointed there. Okay, and began uh, uh, mirroring what he was seeing in Sodom. And the Bible says this, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Everything about Lot's choice reveals a wrong direction. His eyes sought the direction of what reminded him most of Egypt. His direction took him away from Abraham. His direction took him towards Sodom. By the way, Lot knew the reputation of Sodom. The whole realm knew the reputation of Sodom. Just like our world today knows the certain reputation of certain cities. I mean, if you say the, uh, the city New Orleans, you know what most people think? Sin and debauchery. What's the biggest, uh, the biggest thing attached to New Orleans? That, that, that wicked uh, uh, big party, that, that wicked place that Christians should never go called Mardi Gras. 
That's what you think about. What do you think about when you think of Las Vegas? You think of the Strip. You think about uh, casinos. You think about uh, places where, you know what, Christians shouldn't be frequent. That's what you think about. There's just certain cities when you say their name, wickedness and sin are associated with them. Amen? I understand there's wickedness and sin everywhere. I get that. Every city is filled with that. But there are certain cities that seem to make their profit off those types of things. Sodom and Gomorrah was no doubt those cities. And, and Lot knew that. He knew that. And so he, uh, his choice of direction of a separation, not only that, we see his choice in the direction that he pointed his home. Again, folks, his tent, what's that a picture of? That's a picture of where he dwelled at. That was his home. Back in those days, a lot of them were, were, were like nomads. Abraham was that way. And uh, they would travel from place to place. Their tent represented the place they raised their children at. And the Bible says he pitched his tent, he ported his home in the direction of Sodom. And folks, let me say this. No daddy ever chooses the direction uh, of his home without taking his family with him. But let me say this, young men, your future family. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Lot just didn't go to Sodom. Right? You know who went with him? His wife? His children? And we're going to see in just a minute the cost, the price that cost him. Number four, Lot chose in, 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 in ignoring God's judgment and mercy. And there's an interesting story. For sake of time, I'm not going to read it to you. But in Genesis chapter 14, I believe God did something to get Lot's attention. By the way, this just speaks of how much God loves his children. Amen. The fact when we start making wrong choices, by the way, our free will, God lets us make choices, amen? And everybody, well, why does, why does God allow this to happen? Why does God allow that to happen? Here's my answer to that. You like your free will, don't you? Okay? I mean, come on, nobody wants to be a robot, right? Everybody wants to be able to make their choices. Well, guess what? God created us as free moral agents with the ability to make choices. Amen? I'm thankful for that. But here's the problem. Along with those choices, there's either blessings or consequence. But yet God loved Lot enough, even though he made a bad choice, to try and pull him out of that mess before things got worse. For sake of time, we're not going to read it. But if you go to Genesis chapter 14, you read a whole chapter about uh, a battle that happens. And you'll find some kings that came and, and they captured uh, the people of Sodom and they took them captive. And we see here that Abram uh, armed his own house, his own personal army, and went and delivered Lot out uh, of, of the captivity. By the way, you would think Lot would say, wait a minute, if this, you think God's trying to get my attention? You think maybe God's allowed this to happen so I won't make some more, more bad choices? You would have think that's what Lot would have done, but oh no, oh no, no. You know where Lot went as soon as Abraham came and delivered him out of trouble? Right back to Sodom. And that was God's attempt to get uh, Lot's attention. And folks, let me just say this. You know sometimes the reason God allows certain things in our lives is to get our attention. If we're going down the wrong path, before God has to drop the, the booming hand of judgment, maybe God wants to uh, wake us up a little bit. I mean, come on. You know what? We do that as parents. I mean, if you're a good parent, you discipline your children. Amen? By the way, let me say that again. If you're a good parent, you discipline your children. Amen? That's what God has commanded for us to do, uh, to raise our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. By the way, parents, kids don't raise themselves. The Bible says a child left to himself bringeth his mother shame. Kids need parents, amen? 
And you know what? We, it's our job as parents to teach and to train. And as parents, we do that. And uh, you know what? If your kid does something, I mean, at least the way we parented uh, was, you know, you know, you didn't necessarily drop the boom the first time. There was increments, you know. Sometimes it was this. <clears throat> right? No kids. Mom doesn't have a sore throat. She's trying to get your attention, right? All right? Maybe it's this. It's the look. You don't even have to say anything. It's the look. All right? Or maybe it's this. Okay? Your first and middle name. Oh, man. If your middle name gets used, you better pay attention, right? Okay? I mean, there's increments trying to get your attention before, before you know, the big kaboom happens. Amen? And you know what this, this, this situation was here? By the way, if you read the story, it's very interesting. Everything that was taken, Lot got back. That He didn't lose anything in this. How merciful God was to him. Merciful. God responded in a merciful way to Lot. But you know what? It didn't get Lot's attention. He refused God's second chance to change direction. Let me say this, church. Listen to me. When things happen in our life, and I think a year or so ago, I preached a whole series of messages on answering the question, why? And when things happen in our life that we don't understand or, or God allows certain circumstances, listen, it's not a sin to ask why. You ought to ask why. You ought to examine your life and see, God, why, why is this happening to me? Lord, are you, here's what I always ask myself when something happens that, that I particularly don't like, that's uncomfortable. God, are you trying to get my attention about something? Okay, and we ought, we ought to ask those questions. And by the way, ask them with, with, with a sincere heart, expecting for God to show us some things. Well, guess what? Lot didn't get it. Okay, God, God gave him a chance of mercy, but he didn't get it. What other choice do we see Lot made? How about this? Lot's choice in pursuing worldly popularity. Now we're getting to the heart of the issue here. What was it Lot was interested in? Go to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. There's a couple chapter uh, uh, break here, if you will, where God shifts back to the attention to Abraham for a little bit. Some time passes, and then you know what? God sends the angels in uh, to Sodom. And here, very interesting here, the Bible says this, Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And notice here, if you don't understand what's going on, sometimes you miss what the Bible's saying, but this is very important. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, if you understand the culture of the day, uh, what was that mean? He sat in the gate, all right? That wasn't meant there was just a bunch of chairs uh, sitting around the gate of the city, all right? He was sitting there hanging out. That's not what that meant, okay? Uh, the gate of the city is where the government happened. It was it's a place of prominence, if you will. I want you to think about this for a minute, okay? By this time in Lot, Lot's life, by the way, some time has transpired from when he first went to Sodom. Uh, some time has probably gone on uh, since he was captured and brought back by Abraham. And by the way, folks, let me just say this. Just because God doesn't drop the booming hand of judgment immediately doesn't mean God still isn't concerned and knows what's going on. God is very, very, the Bible uses this word, long-suffering. Long-suffering. Slow to wrath, the Bible says. Aren't you glad for that, by the way? Man, I'm thankful for God's mercy. And you know what? God just, I'll be honest with you, God would rather show mercy than show judgment. Yes, He would. I mean, that, that is seen all throughout this story here. And everybody wants to talk about, you know, God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. Hey, they almost got out of that. Even though we're exceedingly wicked, the Bible says. And they would have had there not been more righteous people there. We preached about that this morning. But Lot here, by the time time has gone along, God has given him time to show mercy. Then look at this digression here. Lot has become a man of importance in Sodom. 
Think about this. He didn't just move his family into this wicked culture. He began to seek a prominent place in their politics. He, he sat in the gate. He was a man of influence. Popularity become important a lot. Many times the allure of capturing the world's attention. You know what that does, folks? It, it's the allure of being somebody. It's the allure of, of being popular in this world's eyes. Let me tell you, it'll pull at the heart of a Christian. Let me say this, folks. It's much better to gain influence with God than to seek the popularity of the world. By the way, I'll just say this. As a Christian, if this world thinks you're something, God probably doesn't. I'm going to tell you, you cannot live according to this word. Amen? You cannot love God the way you're supposed to love God. Be the salt and light you're supposed to be. I promise you this, you will not fit into this world. Amen? They're going to think something's wrong about you. They're going to think something's crazy about you. Amen? And a lot though, his, his direction, his choice was pursuing worldly popularity. What else do we see this? Lot made a choice in ignoring the vexation of his soul. Now we don't see this in Genesis per se, but the Bible describes it in 2 Peter. And for sake of time, I won't have you turn there, but listen to this description of Lot. All right, listen to this. The Bible says, uh, and, and he's talking about future judgment. That's the, that's the context of 2 Peter chapter 2. It says this, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. By the way, you'd think that uh, different places around the world uh, where, where this sin is prominent, where this sin is promoted, would think back and remember Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen? Hey, God used that as an example to future people peoples about what he thinks about this sin. And by the way, God still thinks the same way about sodomy as he does uh, He does now as he did then. And by the way, like it, lump it, whatever, I don't care. It may not be a popular political message, but it's a Bible message. Uh, homosexuality is a sin. Yep, you're sitting in a church where the preacher's going to preach about it. Amen. I know it's promoted by the culture. I know it's accepted by the culture. It's being crammed down the throats of people by the culture. By the way, let me just get this off my chest for a minute. Amen? Let me say this. I've been done with this for a long time, but I'm 100% done with it now. Let me just say this. Parents, Christians, get rid of stupid Disney. Amen? Wicked as hell. Read a little bit of stuff what they come out and promoted this week. They are shifting all of their, 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 their movies, their TV shows, all that stuff to promote and exalt and lift up the, the perverse homosexual lifestyle. You are crazy as a parent if you let your kids feast on that stuff. By the way, it's principle, by the way. Amen? I'm not going to have nothing to do with that wicked culture. And the Christians ought to be coming out, speaking up, standing up, and and let go of that stinking wicked stuff. Amen? By the way, I'll say this. That stuff's been wicked for a while. I'm going to tell you something. (laughs) There is so much stuff that, you know, we think it's innocent. By the way, isn't that just like the devil? Amen? Just like the, oh, it's just innocent. It's just, let me tell you something. You start looking at some of the backstories of some of these Disney movies. You know what you see? You see witchcraft. You see rebellion. Amen. And oh, but it, but it's a Disney movie. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Satan does. He sneaks into the back door and steals the heart and minds of our children. Amen. Come on, Christians. Listen, there's certain things we don't need to be a part of. And that wicked culture is one of them. Amen. But you know what you find out about what it says about Lot? Listen to this. And delivered just Lot. Man, there it is. Bible said he was just. And delivered just Lot. Listen to this. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. 
for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. By the way, you know what? It may not have told us that in Genesis. You may not have never expected that based upon the story there. But it bothered Lot what he was seeing. Let me just say this. As a Christian, when you're, when you're around that and you see that, it ought to bother you. Amen? Now, I'm not, I do not promote and I will never promote as Christians the fact that we ought to be violent toward that group of people. I don't believe that whatsoever. Amen? I believe we ought to do everything we can to try to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, you know what? Uh, they, just, they need to be saved just like anybody else needs to be saved. Amen? I'm never going to you know, call them slurs and say they ought to burn in hell and that kind of stuff. Uh, listen, I don't think a Christian ought to be doing that, but I'll just say this. When I see that sin, it vexes me. It vexes me. I mean, it's everywhere now. Everywhere you go. It's being crammed down our throats. I mean, you do see it, it's just a normal thing. It just seems to be, well, and, and if you think it's abnormal, then they think you're the crazy one. Amen? By the way, good, evil, and evil, good. That's what the Bible says will be in the last days. By the way, what was it Jesus said when He cited examples of the days right before His return? As in the days of Noah and as the days of Lot. Why do you think He would see that? What was going on in the days of Lot? Amen? Uh, This this, uh, sin was, uh, particularly when it came to Lot and his family, it was highlighted. It was was exalted. It was was a sin that, that grieved God exceedingly. Amen? But you know what Lot did? He ignored the vexation of his soul. I mean, outwardly, Lot appeared successful. He, he, he appeared prosperous because of his decisions. But you know what? That faith of his uncle Abraham had found a sacred place in his soul. Why? He was a true believer. And his, his heart, his mind, his will was vexed over the wickedness that surrounded him. Amen? That word vexed, it means to be labored down. It means to wear away with toil. But you know what? Despite Lot's inner turmoil and spiritual unhappiness, he stayed in Sodom and lived out his choices. By the way, uh, when we get to the end of this story, and we see where Lot ended up, I wonder how, how many days of regret he lived with those choices when he had lost everything. Right? And folks, let me just say this. God put a member of the triune Godhead that lives within us, and He's there for a reason. He's there for a purpose. And part of what He does is it helps us Christians to stay right through this holy means called conviction. Let me say this. Do not ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. That's a dangerous thing to do. Amen? When God convicts your heart about something, whether it's a place you're at, whether it's something you're looking at, something you're involved in, you better listen to that. Amen? You know what that is? That's God's warning system. It's like the warning bells that start going off before, before the tornado comes. It's like the tornado siren that warns you that a danger's about to happen. That's what conviction is for the Christian. Amen? Don't ignore it. It'll cost you if you do. So Lot ignored the vexation of his soul. Not only that, think about this. Lot's choice in deciding not to share his faith in Jehovah God. Now that's interesting because you would think, all right, okay, that Lot, being the only Christian in Sodom, could have at least influenced somebody, right? And we see that in Genesis chapter 18 when Abraham is negotiating with God about the destruction of of Sodom. And you know what is so sad? I mean, literally, Abraham starts at 50. And starts whittling God down, if you want to say that, say it that way. God, would you destroy it for 45? Would you destroy it for 40? He got God all the way down to 10. God agreed not to destroy all that wickedness if there was only 10 righteous people. Now think about this for a minute. All those years, Lot was in Sodom. 
You know how many people he influenced for God? Zero. None. All right? He, there was, he had no influence for Jehovah God. Amen? You know why? Because I guarantee you this. He didn't live it, number one. And number two, he never talked it. And folks, listen to me. As Christians, I'm going to tell you this. we got to be the salt and light. Amen? we got to lift it up with our voices. we got to share the message. But let me just say this. We can't just talk it. we got to live it. Amen? Now, I do not believe in what's called lifestyle evangelism. Some people believe that you never have to open your mouth and witness because your life as a Christian, uh, if people want to get saved, they'll see your life and automatically come to God. You, that's not scriptural, by the way. Okay, But I will say this. If you open your mouth and talk about it, and we should, amen, we're commanded to do it, you better make sure your life backs it up. Now, you don't have to be perfect, amen? Just like I said this morning. God's not looking for perfection, but He is looking for consistency, amen? Now, listen, you know what? The world is really good at sniffing out a hypocrite. Okay? And I'm going to say this. They don't necessarily demand perfection, but you better be true to what you say you believe, amen? By the way, the world watches... Hey, your neighbors saw whether or not you came to church tonight or not. Right? Those people you work with, they're they're going to be listening tomorrow to see if you're going to come in and and join in with all their their wicked uh, talk and all their their, their wickedness that they did over the weekend to see if you laugh about it and snicker about it. They're going to come and... uh, Listen, they notice those types of things, by the way. Amen? Let me just say this. Uh, Lot did not share his faith in Jehovah God, preserved uh, what was not part of a preserving agent, but truth be told, was part of the reason for the destruction. By the way, it's interesting when you, when you, when you read this story through here that the angels came, the Bible says, and um, <clears throat> they, uh, uh, they, they came when they got Lot out. And the Bible says that before they got him out, Lot went to his uh, sons-in-law and uh, began to implore them to leave. You know what the Bible says they did? The Bible says, you know what? They mocked him. His own family. Listen, Lot was in such bad spiritual shape, he couldn't even reach his own family. By the way, listen, church. If you don't reach your family, who do you think is going to? I believe there's only certain people on this planet as Christians we can reach. I believe that. And if we don't reach them, they're not going to get reached. By the way, you know whose responsibility is to reach your family? It's yours. Amen? I understand we can't make him believe, but we ought to carry that burden. We ought to pray for him. We ought to beg God to save him. And you know what? Lot chose to keep that to himself. Now, because of that, because of that, Lot, the righteous man, uh, immersed in worldliness, what happened to Lot? Did it cost him anything for those choices? Well, you know what? We're going to look here and see what it cost him. First and foremost, I believe this to me is the most dangerous cost, is that this worldliness in Lot's life, and by the way, not just in Lot's life, but in any Christian's life, you know what worldliness will cost you? It'll cost you your fellowship with God. Your fellowship with God. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 2. Pretty famous verses here. Listen to this. All right, by the way, commands, not suggestions, commands. By the way, God doesn't just give suggestions in His, in, in His Word. He gives commands. He's God. He has a right to command us around. Amen. Amen. We belong to Him. He bought us with His own precious blood. Amen. He owns us. He has a right to tell us what to do. Amen. Oh, it's my life. No, it's not. It's God's life. Get that wicked philosophy out of your mind. It's my life. It's, it's, it's what I... No, 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 it's not. Not if you're saved. You belong to God. Amen. By the way, your body belongs to God. My, my body, my choice. Nope, God's body, His choice. 
Where's that philosophy at in the Christian uh, world today? Here's what he says. You ready? Command. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. By the way, the world there is talking about the system of this world. Not talking about planet Earth. Talking about the system, the philosophies of this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, listen to this, the love of the Father is not in him. Think about that for a minute. Okay? By the way, he's not talking about you're not saved. Because here's what the Bible says. Jesus said you've got to pick which master you're going to serve. Think about this. The love of the Father is not in him. So here's what it means. It's impossible for you as a Christian to love God the way you're supposed to love Him and love the world at the same time. Impossible. You've got to choose who you're going to love as a Christian. For all that's in the world, okay, and these are the things that Lot got caught up in, and these are the things that if we're worldly, we get caught up in. Here they are. You ready? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All sins can be traced back to those three statements right there. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Now listen to this. is not of the Father, but is of the world. And by the way, let me tell you why you don't want to be involved in that, because here's what the Bible says. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. By the way, folks, the system of this world is not lasting forever. Nope, ain't going to happen, folks. I'm going to tell you, we know how it's going to end. And I understand, you know, mankind thinks they're on top now, but you know what? Mankind is mortal. God is immortal, amen? And God will have the last say, so I promise you that. The world's going to pass away. The lusts are going to pass away. But here you go. You ready? But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen? And let me tell you something. The most valuable thing you ought to have as a Christian is your fellowship with God. Your relationship with God. It begins at salvation. It continues all through our Christian life. Here's a good day in your life as a Christian where you start making decisions based upon how's this going to affect my fellowship with God. That's a good day. And you know what? We start making choices like this. You know what? Yeah, I understand my flesh is tempted with this. But, you know, uh, here's our thought process, okay? You know, I think my, my, my relationship with God is more important to me than some stupid tingling temptation of the devil. And I think, you know what, God, it's more important that I please you than I please myself. God, I think I'll choose my relationship with you over anything this world has to offer. That's a good day in your life when you get there as a Christian. Amen? Yeah. And you know what? Lot, Lot, Lot lost his fellowship with God. I mean, I didn't say he lost his relationship with God. He lost his fellowship with God. And let me tell you how sad it is for so many Christians when they get to heaven and they see Jesus for the first time, he's going to be a stranger to them. Isn't that going to be sad? They get to Christian or they get to heaven and the one who, who not just lived and died for him and, and gave him eternal life, but yet wanted to have a relationship with them here on this earth, walk with us, talk with us, help us live the victorious Christian life, and he's a stranger because we never spent time with him. By the way, it shouldn't, it, don't, it shouldn't have to be that way. Amen? Worldliness costs a lot of fellowship with God. Not only that, hey, but let's start adding the tab up here. It cost him his relationship with Abraham. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Let me tell you what the Bible's teaching us here. Amen? And again, you start talking about this, everybody wants to pull out the judge card. Oh, you're judging me. Oh, you're judging me. No, I'm just obeying the Bible. That if a Christian... On purpose. Now listen, I'm not talking about, you know what, we all struggle, amen? 
We all have things we have to work through. None of us are perfect. We're not talking about that. Amen. But we're talking about a Christian who purposely turns his back on the way God says for us to live and walks opposite of that. Amen. The Bible doesn't say not to be kind to him. The Bible says not to ignore him. But the Bible says this, withdraw yourselves. That means that it's close communion. Listen to me. All right. Backsliding cost a Christian not only his relationship with God, but his relationship with dedicated Christians. You know why? Because sin separates. By the way, you know what else sin does? It corrupts. I mean, come on, you know this is true. Nature teaches us this. If you got a bushel basket full of apples, you got one bad apple, and all of those scores of good apples, do the scores of good turn the bad one good? No, you know why? Because corruption spreads, that's why. Amen? And by the way, God has a right to tell us who we ought to be around who we shouldn't be around. Amen? And folks, again, I'm not saying that we're to be unkind to people. Absolutely not. Amen? There's people that in my life that I've chosen to separate from, but if I see them, I'm going to speak to them, I'm going to be kind to them, I'm going to tell them I love them, I'm praying for them because it's true. But you know what? I'm not spending time with them. Amen? And you know what? A lot never had the same relationship with Abraham. That prodigal, think about this, the prodigal son, he chose the world over his family. And when a Christian breaks down the walls of personal holiness, he can't do so without breaking fellowship with the spiritual family. So think about this, amen? If you decide you want to go that way, it's going to cost some relationships. It's going to cost your relationship, your fe- not your relationship, but your fellowship with God. It will cost your relationship with your fellow uh, Christians as far as those that close walking relationship. Not only that, how about this? It costs Lot his peace. His peace. Now, folks, let me just say this. Amen. What helps us through this crazy life is the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Amen. And when the storm's blowing around us and things seem like they're going crazy, if you got that right relationship with God, there's a peace that comes over your soul that will help you make it through that. By the way, there ain't no price tag on that kind of peace. You know why the world's chasing what they chase? They're looking for that kind of peace. Amen? You know why people do what they do? Because they're looking for that kind of peace. But you can't find it apart from as a Christian that in a close relationship with Jesus Christ. And man, you know what? Lot was, the, again, there's that word vexed. It means he was tortured. He experienced pain, turmoil. You know why? Because worldliness vexes someone who's truly been born again. You know why? God's living in you, that's why. Amen? I'm going to tell you right now, some of the most miserable people in the world are backslidden Christians. Because you can't have it both ways. Now why can the world live how they live and, and not seem to be? I'm not saying they may not sometimes feel pain and feel sorrow and heartache, but you know it doesn't seem to bother them the way they live. You know why? They don't have a part of the triune God living in them. By the way, you can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to this. Amen? I'm going to tell you something. If God's living in us, and He is, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God's living in you, the Holy Spirit's going to let you know when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. And folks, let me say this. Lot's decision to live a carnal life and to coexist with the wicked cost him one of the most precious things available to him, that peace of God. I'm going to tell you, there ain't no price tag on that. Amen? Cost him his peace. How about this, folks? Think about this. It cost him his wife. Cost him his wife. Man. The most... Uh, should be the close, the person he was closest to in all of his life uh, was his wife. And you know what? It cost him. And we know the story, again, for sake of time. I'm not going to read all the verses to you. But you know what happened. They were commanded not to look back. But the Bible says, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. 
Now that's interesting because think about this. Uh, why do you think she looked back? Well, you know, sometimes people speculate because she still had a heart for, for Sodom. But how about this? Maybe it was because she, her, she knew her children were still in Sodom. And when judgment was coming, her children were going to uh, have to face that judgment. Maybe it was for the love she had for Sodom. But you know what? Regardless of the motivation, she felt God's judgment. And the Bible says she became a pillar of salt. And Lot had to live the rest of his life knowing his decisions led his wife to that moment. Think about that, folks. Carnality corrupts all that it touches. There is a high price, high price for not being the Christian you ought to be. Amen? For getting caught into worldliness, for getting wrapped up in this stuff. It cost him his wife, and yes, it also cost him his children. Of course, again, the story. He, uh, when the angels came, uh, they come to uh, get him and his family out. They, uh, Lot went and tried to get a hold of, uh, of his, his daughters and, and son-in-law. The Bible says it was as if he was one that, that mocked. They mocked at him. And by the way, you know the Bible even uh, says, the angels said to him and his sons. By the way, think, and more than likely he had sons. They had big families back then. And, and you know, there's never any record of Lot trying to get his sons out of Sodom. Hey, I wonder, Lot didn't even try to attempt to get his sons out because he knew it was futile because of the sin they got involved in. Think about that for a minute. And then those two daughters he did escape with. And I'll be very careful how I say it, but you can go and read it yourself. And read it in Genesis chapter 19, verses 29 through 32. Those two daughters that he escaped with, the sin they committed with their very own father. And I wonder, when all this was said and done, and you know what? The uh, years went by and Lot was living out his old age alone. No wife, no family. I wonder if he contemplated all those decisions that he made, and you know what? How much it cost him. Cost him his family, cost him his wife, cost him his children. And by the way, think about this. How ironic is this? What Lot was seeking after, what he wanted to get in Sodom, he ended up losing in the end anyway. He lost his prosperity. Everything he had spent his life for, everything, all those earthly possessions he accumulated that he chose over his relationship with Abraham, they ended up getting destroyed anyway. And folks, let me just say this. As Christians, we better remember something. Amen? We, we, uh, took, we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we're carrying nothing out. The only thing that's going before us is the treasure we send ahead, and the only two eternal things on this planet are the souls of man and the Word of God. So you know what God wants us to invest in? Those things right there. Amen? All the, all the material things of this life, they're all going to burn. And that's why as Christians, we can't live for those things. God's not against us having them, but He's against them having us. And if every choice we make, every decision we make is based upon the material things of this life, you know what? We'll have regrets about that. Lot lost his possessions. Lot lost his reputation. Amen. At one time, Lot was known as the adopted nephew of the godly man. He was known as being uh, linked with Uncle Abraham. Not now. Anytime you say Lot, man, you know what you think of? Miserable story. By the way, we're preaching on his life. He's in heaven tonight. But yet, you know, I don't know how it all works in heaven. I don't know if God allows people to peek over the banisters and, and see and know what's going on on earth. But if so... How ashamed would Lot be knowing that his life wasn't an example of what to do, but an example of what not to do? By the way, let me say this. You know what? Don't be a negative sermon illustration. Now, I would never say anything to embarrass anybody that I knew or anything like that. But I'll just tell you this. 
I know a lot of people that if I were mean and cruel enough, and I wouldn't do it, but I could stand up here and say, bad choice, bad choice, bad. Don't be like them because of bad choices they make. Now, folks, listen to me. It's a big deal. Amen? It's a big deal. And worldliness will cost you. And then last of all, worldliness costs. Man, and, and, and all these things are sad to me. All these things are sad. But you know what? Worldliness costs the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know how many souls were in those cities that God destroyed. All right, the, uh, if you study it out a little bit and and uh, look at some uh, you know records or whatever based upon what they think they may have pieced together what those cities contain, but there were well over a hundred thousand people in those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and every single one of them perished. Why? Because of truth be told, just like I said this morning, not because of the the sin they were involved in, but because Lot wasn't what he should have been. He he was not the preserving agent. Amen? Lot was the reason why those cities were destroyed. And folks, let me just say this. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe when God looks at America, He looks at not just America, but He looks at all the nations of this earth the same way He looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. And let me say this. God hears the wickedness. Amen? The Bible says that their cry came up before God. You don't think God hears the, the wickedness of the perversion going on in our country? Hey, listen, we produce 89% of the world's pornography. You don't think God knows about that? You don't think God hears the innocence of, of over the almost pushing out 70 million innocent babies that we know about that's been murdered in the name of, uh, of choice uh, since abortion's been... You don't think God hears the cries of those innocents come up before Him? You better believe He hears it. But you know what's keeping God judgment from falling? You know what's keeping it back? Just what I preached this morning. Salt and light. Amen? And I believe when God looks at nations of this earth... Just like he did Sodom, there was a number. Sodom had a number. Here, here's the thought that came to me one day. I wonder what America's number is. I wonder at what point evil, on, on the scale of God's justice and judgment, passes up wickedness and God has to rain judgment because there's more wickedness than there is a proportion of salt and light. I wonder what that, and only God Himself knows that. But you know what? Since I don't know that, you know what that means to me? I don't want to be the deciding factor if I choose worldliness over godliness to tip those scales in the favor of God's judgment. So you know what that does to me? It motivates me. Amen? Because let me say this, folks. Listen, whether we understand it or not, people are dependent upon the lies we live as Christians. They're dependent upon it. Because God chooses to work through, uh, through Christians, in this day and age we're living in, and listen to me, He can never work in our lives if we fall for Lot's faulty philosophy of worldliness. Amen? Without apology, Christians ought to be different from the world. How different should we be from the world? How about this? As different as light is from darkness. Amen? I mean, come on, folks. You know when it's light out. You know when it's dark out. Obvious difference. And you know what? As Christians, we're to illuminate. Amen? Why do you think God uses those two terms, salt and light? What do those things do? Light illuminates, salt preserves. Amen? And, and literally, as Christians, we're to be the preserving agent in the place God has put for us to be. So, hey, how about it, church? Let's not fall for this faulty philosophy. Let's not think that worldliness isn't going to cost us if we choose to walk that path, because it will. And if we think we're any exception to God's rule, all you got to do is read through the Bible. And by the way... This isn't the only place it talks about somebody like this. On and on through the Scripture, God gives examples of what sin, worldliness, and carnality cost. 
Amen? Listen, don't have to figure it out in your own life. Don't have to learn that lesson the hard way. Hey, learn from the Bible. Learn from the example of it. And listen to me. Again, it's not perfection, but let's be right with the Lord. Amen? Let's do the best we can to live after this book and follow this book and live a life that pleases God. You know why? Because a lot's riding upon it. That's why. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight.